Hey yo, what is really good? This is your boy A1 Hoops tapping in once again to your notification feed with another episode of the podcast. Uh, this is episode 39th. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm doing these episodes weekly now that the season is back. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Normally going to be every Wednesday type of thing. Now, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. First up, I'm going to be talking about Scotty Pippen. Alright, let's just be real. This man is down bad at this current moment. Over the last few months... I mean, really over the last year, but over the last few months in particular, he's been taking just countless shots at Michael Jordan. A lot of people, I mean, even Phil Jackson caught a stray, talking about, oh, he's racist. That's another topic for another day. But most of his uh, shade has been directed towards Michael Jordan. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that man. He's the best basketball player ever. Uh, The one that played in Chicago, you guys know. So basically... He feels as if the way he's been portrayed in the Last De- last Dance documentary was unsatisfactory. Oh, I felt like I was just a prop. I didn't receive any money for this, this and that. Um, Scotty, you was a part of the documentary. I don't know if you knew that. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not here to spew out any facts here, but I'm pretty sure you were well aware if you were going to get paid or not before you even did it. Because if you thought you were going to get paid and didn't get paid, I'm pretty sure you can go to court for that. Um, so <laughs> that that's pretty much how I feel about that. You said, oh, you know, this is so similar to how it was back when we actually played with Michael Jordan. We were secondary. Um, I don't know if Scottie Pippen knows this. And again, this is something that I actually talked about on my latest YouTube video. Make sure you go, make sure you guys tap into that. But, uh, Scottie Pippen, you actually got paid more money over your NBA career than Michael Jordan did by about $30 million. Uh, for your career, no, not 30, I'm sorry, about 20. For Michael Jordan's career, he made $93 million on the court. Scotty, you made $109 million. So you made about $20 million more than he did. So I'm not sure what, you, what you're what you talking about here when you say, oh, you feel secondary, like just like the old days. What are you even talking about? Also, your bad contract, like, you signed it. And it was so bad that even the owner, <laughs> the man you were signing it for, the man who's supposed to pay you said, yeah, I'm willing to pay you more than this, honestly. But instead, you say, oh, my family needs to be taken care of now. I don't want to wait that year to sign a contract. I'm going to just go ahead and sign this dookie contract right now. And you ended up being like the 100th paid player in the league. And now that's Michael Jordan's fault, right? I mean, that's how it seems. So I, don't, I just don't get it how this is all Michael Jordan's fault. You hated the way that you were portrayed in the documentary. What was bad about it? Everything that happened there was factual. You were like, oh, well, uh, it was supposed to be about the team. It was about the team. Scott, Steve Kerr got his own episode. You have your own episode. Uh, Dennis Rodman had his own episode. The coach had his own episode. So I'm not get, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, even Kobe Bryant had like a small mention. Uh, what did you want the documentary to be about? <laughs> Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. So it only makes sense that he would have the biggest part of the documentary, right or wrong. I mean... How will you? How do you expect to get views or to sell a product if the best part of that product isn't front line and center? Do you not understand how marketing works? You're almost doing the same thing with your book. Your book, Unguarded. I'm pretty sure not every page is about is about Michael Jordan, but I bet a lot of them are. I mean, it seems that way because that's all you've been able to talk about ever since you announced that you're making this book. Uh, not only that. Aside from that whole you know, rant I just went on, he says that Michael Jordan and him were never close friends. They didn't have any type of relationship. But let me remind you guys that uh, for his Hall of Fame speech, you know how you can like choose anyone you want to like, you know, introduce you and that how normally you're supposed to pick somebody that's very close to you. Yeah, he picked Michael Jordan for that. 
But uh, I guess you and him didn't wasn't really close though. You wasn't really feeling him. Matter of fact, you even thanked Michael Jordan in the middle of your Hall of Fame speech, saying, "And I quote: I will always cherish having you as a teammate, and I will always cherish the relationship and the special bond that we have." You literally said that. And if to make matters worse, you even repeated that on the jump when Rachel Nichols asked you about the flu game uh, back in 1997. So you saying in your book that you and Michael Jordan weren't close, you're out here lying now. That's what you're doing. And you're acting as if this is you're acting as if this isn't the Internet and we don't have receipts for these things, Scotty, because we definitely do. At the end of the day, whatever happened in the last day, the last dense documentary Oh my God, I can't speak. The last dance documentary, it all happened. You were mad because they showed how, you know, you didn't want to go into the game, game three in the 1994, second round semi-Eastern Conference Finals. You were mad that they showed that, but it happened. So, like, are you mad at Michael? Or are you mad at, who, who are you really mad at here? It's almost like that's Michael's fault, even though he wasn't even in the league. That's kind of how you're making it sound. Also, um... You said that uh, it's so condescending for Michael Jordan to say that you're the best teammate he ever had. But you are the best teammate he ever had. So how is that being condescending? Literally in his in his Hall of Fame speech, he said, oh, I wouldn't have been here. You know, all my six championships, you always saw Scottie Pippen. You know, he literally said that in his Hall of Fame speech. So he gave you the most credit that he could possibly give you. I believe in a documentary itself, he literally said, without Scottie Pippen, there would be no Michael Jordan. So what other credit do you want here? Did you want the last dance to be mostly about Scottie Pippen instead? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's pretty much what I, all my thoughts on Scottie Pippen. The man is down bad. His wife, you know, was cheating on him with rappers and stuff like that. Future. I mean, apparently, you know, they performed some sexual acts while he was just so happened to be wearing Gucci flip flops. And uh, that's probably why Scottie Pippen is upset. He's down bad. Um, he tragically lost one of his sons a few months ago. That isn't something I'm going to make a joke about because that's just obviously, you know, tragic. But I can, that, I'm pretty sure that's playing a lot on his mental and into him being down bad, so to speak. So that's pretty much what I have with Scottie Pippen. He's just not making a lot of sense. He's just trying to sell a book at this point. It's called Unguarded. I honestly feel like we should boycott it. Like nobody should buy that book. I mean, nobody really read like that anymore anyway. We barely want to read tweets. So, <laughs> um, but that's pretty much what I have as far as that situation is concerned. Now, next up, we're going to be talking about LeBron James. Now, before I go ahead and start talking about LeBron, I just want to establish something. All right. All trolls, all jokes aside, the man is one of the three best basketball players ever. I think LeBron is the second best player that has ever lived in the history of the NBA. That's that's how I feel. He's a great. He's amazing. I know we let the troll on Twitter and call him the GM, although that one isn't really that. That one isn't really inaccurate. <laughs> I know we like to, you know, throw shade at him, stuff like that, in order to prop up Michael Jordan. Something I've done many times in the past. Um, he gets a lot of slander on a daily, but the thing is, he's one of the three best players ever. Now this season, I'm going to be honest with you. LeBron seems to be going the way Kobe Bryant did. If we can all recall the 2013 NBA season, we remember watching Kobe Bryant give his all to the game. You know, putting up 30 points every night, you know, being 34 years old, uh, basically having to carry the load for the entire basketball team because that Dwight Howard situation was completely dysfunctional. Kobe Bryant had to shoulder that load. Um, and as a result, his body broke down. As we all remember his game against the Golden State Warriors where he made a move on Klay Thompson. And I believe it was Klay Thompson that was guarding him. Or it might have been Harrison Barnes. I don't remember on top of my head. But he ended up tearing his Achilles. We never saw Kobe Bryant again. 
uh, the Kobe Bryant that we know and love. That's when Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, died. Not him, like, actually, but the basketball version of himself. That's when he died. After that, we received somebody who looked like Kobe Bryant and was just injury riddled the entire time. LeBron has been in L.A. I say all that to say this. LeBron has been in L.A. for three years now since the 2018 season. The 2018-2019 season. He got injured the first season. If you if you can recall that groin. Uh, he re-aggravated it a few times in the 2020 season, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he re-aggravated it once. He had to miss a game. He again got hurt last season. Again, he got his ankle. He heard, uh, somebody dove into his ankle. And he was never the quite the same after that. I mean, we can even see visually in the first round of the playoffs against Phoenix, LeBron just wasn't himself. Now it's this year. LeBron still doesn't really seem like himself. And then he went and got hurt again. I think it has like an abdominal strain, something like that. He's starting to become injury riddled in a way that we've never seen LeBron be injury riddled. LeBron, for the majority of his career prior to arriving in LA, was Iron Man. He never got hurt. I believe he had one injury that like held him. I think it was like a knee or something like that. I think it was during his Miami tenure when he like sat for like a week. I I, I could be completely off on that. Um, as a listener, I'm pretty sure you can correct me when it happened. When it actually happened, he had one tiny little thing in his career, and he sat for like a few games. That was it. But now we're seeing LeBron get injured constantly, and it's reminiscent of Kobe Bryant once again. You know, after that 2013 season, he was just injury riddled, always sitting out. Um, I just, as far as LeBron is concerned, is this the end of LeBron? You know, are we, is, is that 2020 playoff run uh, down in Orlando in the bubble, is that the last we're going to see of LeBron James? Now, me, I'm not really a LeBron fan, but at the end of the day, he's one of the very best basketball players ever. So you have to appreciate what he's done for the game and his talent. I mean, he's been around, he's been in our lives on TV for years now. For about 19, 20 years now. So for him to just not be on TV anymore, you know, and the day when the day comes and he's finally retired, even if you're not really a LeBron fan like I am, like I'm not really a LeBron fan, uh, when the day comes and he retires, it's going to be like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, damn, he's really not going to be here anymore. He's not going to be playing games. He, we're not going to get to see him do those great things on the court um, like we were so accustomed to doing for many years prior. That's going to be a very... You know, a very different day. Obviously, it's going to be sad for his fans, but even for people who just appreciate his game like I do, it's going to be a very different type of day. Now, like I said, the reason why I'm bringing his retirement up is because it seems like he's starting to really see father time. Um, we joke about it every single year with LeBron, ever since like twenty, ever since 2015, basically. Oh, it's 2015. LeBron is 30 years old now. This isn't going to happen. Uh, this isn't going on much longer in terms of like you know his career. People were making jokes that he was going to be retiring soon. There were the LeBron haters are tired of seeing him. And every year we would bring that meme back up. The oh, it's 2015. This is almost over with. Every single season we would bring that up because. LeBron's longevity and his durability were just so great. He would always disprove the naysayers and father time. He'd been fighting father time for a while now. Twenty, His year 16, year 17, year 18, he's been elite all those seasons in ways that no real, no player has really done before. But now it seems like all these injuries are piling up and that father time is finally tapping him on the shoulder. I'm pretty sure it's not like, I'm not saying he's going to come back from this injury and be nobody. That's not what I'm saying obviously he's still going to be a very productive player, still one of the top 10 players in the league. But I think over the next maybe two years, we're going to see LeBron dip drastically. That's truly what I believe. Um, 
I mean, it has to happen at some point, right? But that's pretty much my thoughts on LeBron James. Now, next up, I'm going to be talking about Damian Lillard. Now, I'm sure you guys have heard the quote about how he feels about the rule change, right? The whole, um, the rest, you know, pretty much swallowing their whistles a little bit more. Um, the rule is if you're making a basketball play that doesn't seem like a basketball move as far as, like, grabbing the defensive player, swinging your arms, trying to draw fouls, stuff like that in an unnatural way, the rest are just simply not calling that anymore. And we, when we first heard that get announced, we didn't really think much of it. Oh, you know, it must not be for real or uh, it's probably not even going to be noticeable. It has been noticeable. The refs ain't calling nothing, like nothing getting called. Um, and I actually, to be honest, I find that more enjoyable. You know, games aren't free throw contests anymore, something that Adam Silver himself was fearing. Uh, the games are actually a lot more enjoyable this season, uh, especially to a lot of like older fans, you know, people who grew up watching that 90s, 80s style of basketball. Even they're saying, you know, hey, you know, this, this type of basketball, this is something that we can appreciate. And when they say something like that, you know, you're moving in the right direction as far as the rules are concerned. But let me go ahead and just play what Damian Lillard actually said. Um, here you go. The way the game is being officiated uh, is, is unacceptable. I don't want to go too deep into it so they make a big deal out of it. But the explanations that that's getting missed, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, I'm not even a player that. I felt like coming in, the rule change wouldn't affect me because I don't do the trick to referees. I don't do the trick plays. And it's just it's unacceptable. So as you can hear there, what did Damon would have just say? Oh, well, for one, he started off by saying, I'm not a player that tricks the refs. Now, for that part, I'm going to say your cap because here's the thing. All right. You can go on YouTube or throughout the Internet. You can search and you can find highlights of any player foul baiting. All right, nobody in the NBA is beyond foul baiting. Every major star player d- does it. And we're not I'm not here to shame him for that or any player for that matter. I've seen Kevin Kevin Durant used to be notorious for like wailing his arms. Um same thing with James Harden, same thing with Trey Young. Steph is foul baited. Everybody foul baits every now and again. And the reason why they do that is because a great scorer knows that if they can just get to that free throw line and see the ball go through the net off a free throw, that can go ahead and just change the momentum of the game for them. That can, you know, give seeing that ball go, go through that net can really activate their, like, that it mode where they're, where they're on fire. They get that good feeling. And that's normal. You should want to do that if it's available to you. So I'm not here to, you know, slander Dan for saying, oh, I don't trick plays or anything like that. I've seen, fo- there's literally footage underneath this video of him doing it. Like, obviously, you can't see it because it's just a podcast, but I'm literally, I've seen like two or three examples in the replies of him doing it. Everybody does it. That's not what I'm here to talk about. Last night, Dame Lillard shot one free throw. Do what, do what you want with that information. <laughs> last night, he shot, he scored, he dropped 27 points last night, which is very good. But he shot 11 of 23. That's pretty awful. He shot four of 13 from the three point line. That's pathetic. And, I, and just for this season in general, all right, he's been playing terrible. Now, if you guys had tuned in to the last episode of the podcast, uh, my friend, Classy Speaks, what he said was, oh, I think it's because he's under a new coach, sort of a different offensive system that they're running, and Dame is just playing off ball more, and he's getting a lot more open looks, something that he's not really used to. Um, from that point of thinking, I can kind of understand why somebody would think that. Um, at the end of the day, yes, he is under a different coach, Chauncey Billups. Yes, he is getting a lot more open shots. Yes, he's not as bald. Well, he's not playing on ball as much as he was, you know, in seasons prior. But at the end of the day, I don't want to hear that. 
It, we're how many games are we in? What 10, 11 games? He's shooting thirty six percent from the field. That's like not even Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams type bad. Uh, he's shooting twenty five percent from three. That's like Jimmy Butler bad. Like Giannis is not even shooting that bad from three. Um, I don't think he is. Uh, he has a Dame has a true shooting percentage of forty six percent. That's god awful. And I mean. If if memory serves, I checked it this morning. I don't think he's even attempting as many free throws as he did last season, uh, as far as uh, Dame is concerned. And and, and matter of fact, yeah, uh, Giannis is shooting better than Dame this season from the three point line. That's there's no excuse for that. We're eleven games in. I can understand if the if you were just having a shooting slump trying to adjust for the first few games. Okay, that makes sense. I got that. Um, that's something that that can be forgiven. Now a lot of people are saying, oh, just wait till the All Star break. Well, that's like forty games in. You get what I'm saying? That's 40 games in. Last season, Dame shot 7.2 free throws per game. He had 92% of them. This season, he's averaging three attempts per game, 85%. Let's just be real. It's a combination of the new system and the new way that he's playing as well as the rule change. It's both of these two factors working against Dame here. Uh, I'm not here to say that uh, Dame is just trash and he's never going to get over it. Um... What I am saying is we're tired of the quotes. These quotes do absolutely nothing for you, but make you look bad. One of the things you said in that quote, you guys heard it. Oh, you know, I don't want to complain too much because I already know how everybody be. He said something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing here. But every single time you open your mouth to talk about these rules, that's exactly what you're opening the door for. At this point, if I'm Dame, he should just be quiet until he gets his groove back. And then he can start talking about the rule change because... When you're saying, oh, uh, the, the refs, the way they're refing is unacceptable, this and that. Just 10 years ago, they were refing similar to this. Like, this whole foul baiting and stuff, this didn't happen a long time ago. This happened kind of recently. I mean, everybody's failed foul baited before. I'm not saying that foul baiting didn't exist before. Every it, Foul baiting has always existed. But it, it wasn't such a prominent and talked about thing until a few years ago. Until people like the James Harden's of the world started really manipulating the rules. About 10 years ago, obviously, there was still foul baiting, but it wasn't this extreme. You get what I'm saying? So when he says that, oh, you know, this foul baiting stuff, is that is as if he thinks the NBA was always like this, and it wasn't. The refs are getting closer to how, they, how the game was coached, not coached, how the game was refereed traditionally. It was traditionally refereed where there was no, like, blatant foul baiting. You had to actually get fouled in order, in order for you to get to the line. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys have all watched a full, if you're a true basketball fan, um, I'm pretty sure you've all watched a full game from the past eras. The early 2000s, the 80s, the 90s. When you got fouled, you had to really get fouled for the ref to call something. Not all the time. I don't need one of y'all saying, oh, there's a few plays, uh, this one play, 1994, on this possession. No. For the most part, 90% of the time, for you to get a foul call, you had to really get fouled. It was something that actually impeded your progress as a basketball player or impeded your shot to where a foul had to be called. Last season, all kind of foul calls. You know, We called it the phantom call. Just two years ago, people were guarding James Harden with their hands behind their back just because that's how bad it was getting with the foul baiting. You know what I mean? Uh, so at the end of the day, my main point is this. Dame, you're playing terribly. You're averaging like 18 points per game. You're shooting god-awful splits as if you're like some regular player, as if you're a regular dude who just gets a lot of shot attempts. That's how you're playing right now. You're playing like a straight-up scrub. You're Dame Lillard. 
just last year, the year prior, you've been one of the consistently one of the ten best players in the league, borderline top five in a few seasons. You were putting up like twenty eight a game. You're shooting like forty percent from three just two years ago. You were playing elite level basketball, and now you're playing like a nobody. And we don't really want to hear what you have to say as far as the rules are concerned. You just need to get it together. You need to adjust. Nobody wants to hear your excuses, bro. Now I actually do love watching Dame Lillard play. Uh, he is playing a different style of basketball than he's played in recent years. But regardless, you've, you're like 10, 11 games in now. We got to see what you're about. We got to see you adjust and start taking over games. We need the Dame time. We, we, ain't had, we ain't seen no Dame time this year. When the last time you watched the Portland game, and he did a little Dame time thing. He ain't done that yet because he hasn't earned the right to do that. So that's what we need from Dame. Now, moving on to a completely unrelated topic. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Now, Everybody at this point, even if you didn't even watch the game, because I'll be honest, I was at work. I didn't really have time to watch the game, but I know all the entire situation, right? First of all, it's like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. He's dribbling the ball up the court. He gets to about the half court mark. He jumps to make a pass and Morris comes out of nowhere straight up, just pushes the man, right? And I believe the reason why he pushed him was because he might've been frustrated that Bam didn't get a foul call. Because right before that play happened, you know, the push and all that, the very prior possession, uh, Bam and Bam and Jokic were underneath the basket. Bam get the ball, and he tried to put up a shot, and he missed. Jokic got the board. You can see Morris visually complaining to a ref, like, yo, why was there no foul call? Obviously, no foul was called, and then he just runs up to Jokic and pushes him. Now, as a result of that little push... Now, for one, it was very clearly intentional. He was trying to push him. He was upset. He was frustrated. I get it, right? Now, because of that push, Jokic decided to retaliate, and then he literally just comes out of nowhere, like, because Morris was, after he pushed Jokic, Morris turned his back to Jokic. Literally, Jokic went up to him and, like, football tackled him. Like, it was literally, like, like he had real beef with him. He was really upset. He straight up, his neck jerked back and everything. Like, he pushed him hard as hell. He fell to the floor. All right. Now, as a result, off the top of my head, Morris was ejected. So was Jokic. I think they handed Morris a flagrant too. They handed Jokic some weird thing, uh, endangerment to a player or something like that. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, and then also Jimmy Butler was fined thirty grand for, I guess, trying to escalate the issue. Now, what I have learned recently, because I read on Twitter a lot, is a lot of people are saying, oh, Jimmy soft, this and that. He was right next to Jokic. Why he didn't try to fight him, this and that. Long story short, Jimmy wasn't even actually talking to Jokic. He was talking to a former player, and not a, for, not a former player of the Heat, a former player in the NBA. It was one of the player development coaches on the Nuggets who used to play in the league. His name is uh, Graham, Stephen Graham, something like that. I don't remember the top of my head. But um, basically, he was yelling at him. They were trying to fight. Jimmy was telling him to go out back. I'll meet you out back, stuff like that. The whole situation is, is strange. At the end of the day, Jokic feels like because, and I, I don't, I'm not speaking for Jokic. I don't know him personally. But I think a lot of people don't really respect Jokic's game. Um, and in the NBA, uh, he's gotten pushed around a lot before. People have gotten physical with him before. And I think this was Jokic not really just mad at Morris, but also just trying to make a statement to the league. Like, he's the MVP now. He's the reigning MVP. And nobody really giving him the credit that he deserves. So I feel like this is Jokic trying to just, you know, solidify that, hey, yo, I'm real and I'm a real dude. And, like, yo, I'm a tough guy. You know what I mean? Like, don't be messing with me. I Give me my respect. Just like LeBron said when he won the 2020 NBA championship. I think it was more of a situation like that. 
And, I mean, if we're keeping it in a stack, he's not wrong. He does need his respect. I mean, there's a few fans on Twitter and stuff like that who just love Jokic. I mean, real fans of basketball love Jokic because he's one of the best passing bigs, if not the best passing big ever. He's just such a jack-of-all-trades type of player. No real hole in his game. He's gotten better defensively this season as well. And he just doesn't really get the credit he deserves for some reason. You know what I mean? Uh, not even in the media. The media doesn't really talk about him like that. Just last season, Nick Wright was talking about how Jokic didn't even deserve the MVP. And so it's just stuff like that. I think all that kind of played a role into why Jokic did that. But that being said, at the end of the day, that just wasn't the good move. You know what I mean? He could have honestly hurted Morris. In fact, he pushed him so hard that they had to bring out a stretcher for Morris. Like, they, they had to put him on a stretcher. It was real bad the way he jerked his head back. The whole situation was just dumb and immature. But at the end of the day... I think Jokic is just trying to make a statement with that play, which transitions me into my next topic as well, the MVP so far. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, speaking of the whole Jokic thing, this may or may not come to bite him in the butt when it comes to voting time. Now, I'm not a huge fan of accolades anymore because a lot of it is based on who votes. Um, but somebody might see this whole like you know thing go down, and it might it might sway them to vote for somebody else. Like yo, that guy, you know, he's fighting out here, stuff like that. We're we're against violence, and they might just vote on somebody else just off the strength. You know what I mean? But honestly, if we're keeping it a stack, and let's just go ahead and transition to the MVP so far. The MVP is really only between Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic. I'm gonna be real. Now, yes, Steph, he has been playing great as of late. He literally just dropped 50 points in his last game. But his efficiency hasn't been there that this season so far. He's shooting like 44% from the field. He's shooting less than 40% from three, which is the first time he's done that since uh, he's never done that. <laughs> the one season that he was hurt, which is the 2020 season, he shot less than 40% from three. But I don't know if we're really going to count that because the man played like five games. So I'm not sure if we're going to count that. But every single season of his career, he shot 40% from three, except now. And we're 11 games in, and he's only shooting 38% from the three-point line. He's by far the best free throw shooter in the league. He's averaging 27. He, it's not that he's not in the MVP discussion. He is. It's just I feel like he's not quite the stuff we know and love as far as shooting like 45% from three, 40, high 40s, mid 40s. He's just not as efficient as we would like him to be this season so far. But, I mean, it is still only 10 games. I know I kind of said earlier, 10 games long enough when I'm talking about Dame. But in this situation, I feel like it's valid. I'm sure we're going to get back to the stuff that we know and love. The Warriors are playing great basketball, and that's despite not even having Klay Thompson. And and Jordan Bull, Jordan Bull, Jordan Poole has been playing great as well. Um, but I don't know if Steph is just quite in that MVP discussion yet. For me, it's between Kevin Durant and, the, and Nikola Jokic. And honestly, maybe this is just me being a Heat fan. But Jimmy Butler should get some a lot of consideration as well. And it's not just offensively. He's averaging about 25 and 6. But Jimmy's playing some amazing defense. I saw a stat about yesterday where players that Jimmy Butler's guarding are only shooting 38% from the floor. He has like a 4.0 defensive box plus minus. He has small sample size. He's top 5 in steals per game. I think he's among the lead leaders in deflections as well. He's just playing great basketball. And I think he should get some consideration as well. But as far as the MVP race is concerned, I mean, I think it got to be Kevin Durant at this point. He's just playing consistent basketball. He's still very, very efficient. He's averaging about 30 a game. Let me actually pull that up. I don't remember the stats. Uh, Kevin Durant this season is averaging 29.5, which is the highest he's done in a regular season since the year he won MVP. (laughs) 
29.5 points per game. He's leading the league in scoring right now. He's averaging 8.7 boards per game, which is the most he's ever averaged in his career. 5.3 assists per game, which is about, you know, normal for somebody like him. Um, and his efficiency isn't bad either. I mean, 38% from the three-point line, shooting 56% from the floor, which is the best of his career. I mean, KD is just quietly dominating the NBA right now. He has an effective field goal percentage of 61. I mean, what is there more to talk about? Uh, I believe his last game he dropped 32 and 10 or something like that. KD's just KD at this point. He's 33 years of age, but honestly, his type of play style isn't really dependent on athleticism. It's more skill, finesse, him being seven feet tall. Well, really like 6'10", but come on, seven feet with handles that we only really see in guards. I mean, Dirk, and Dirk wasn't handling the ball like this. Let's just keep it a stat. He wasn't. Bird had a little bit of handle, but it wasn't like this. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's he's still like he's not a LeBron level passer or playmaker, but he's a good playmaker for his position. I mean, I would argue he's a better playmaker than Kawhi or something or somebody like that, or even the Carmelo. I mean, Carmelo was never much of a passer, but as far as playmakers are concerned at the small forward spot, KD is definitely up there, especially mostly because of his scoring gravity and the spacing that he provides. But honestly, my if I had a vote, I don't. I need one. But if I had a vote, Kevin Durant is the MVP so far this season. Now, Jokic can definitely make a case at it. Hopefully, you know, that episode doesn't hurt him as far as, you know, in the voters' eyes. But I got to be honest with y'all. It's Kevin Durant all day. And that has been the episode, guys. This is A1 Hoop signing off. Hope you guys love what I do. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you are not following me on Twitter at A1 Hoops, what are you waiting for? If you're not subscribed to my channel at A1 Hoops, again, <laughs> what are you waiting for? With that being said, A1 Hoops signing off. I love you all. God bless. Have a good one.